0: Hey Mamas. I'm Sam. And I'm Taryn. And together, we're the messy, messy Mamas. We've created the Messy Mama pod because we've both experienced the messiness that motherhood brings. We're completely
1: unfiltered and unapologetically ourselves as we chat about all things motherhood. Once a
0: month, we're going to be spotlighting one of you mamas so that you can share your story, advocate for your babies, and connect with the other messy moms in our community.
1: Dry shampoo our best friend and this shirt may or may not be clean. Our lives are completely chaotic. So if you're anything like us, welcome to the mess. Okay, let's go chat. And remember, mamas, messy can be beautiful.
0: Okay, mamas, I am so excited to be bringing you this week's sponsor, Honeysuckle Swim Company. I feel like I've been on the hunt for a good, full-covered swimsuit literally since Tate's first summer. I'm the mom that reapplies sunscreen every hour, and I will stop the stroller every 15 seconds if that's what it takes to keep their hats on. Siobhan created Honeysuckle Swim Co. in 2018 after struggling to find her little girl a full coverage suit for their family trip to Mexico. These swimming suits hit absolutely everything that I was looking for you guys and what really drew me to them was that the cuteness doesn't compromise the high quality. They are a stretchy, lightweight fabric that are comfy and fast drying which I think is really important for babies. They have full length sleeves and legs and are a UPF 50 which has been really reassuring. They have an easy access inseam zipper that has made Reese's diaper changes so much easier because there is no struggling to get that wet swimming suit off. They also have really cute hats made out of the same material as their swimming suits so you can get that high protection and they have the drawstring that makes them actually stay on their heads. They have a brim and a long neck flap that keeps the sun off of the kiddo's face and the back of their necks. If you want to check them out for yourself, which I highly recommend doing, you can find them on Instagram by searching Honeysuckle Swim Company, where Siobhan does a really great job of showing new prints and matching swimsuit and hat sets. You can also visit their website, honeysuckleswimcompany.com, where they have all of their inventory and they have a list of the small shops that carry them as well. I know I feel way better about my kids being out in the sun this summer and truly cannot recommend these swimming suits enough. Hey moms and welcome back to another episode of the Messy Mama Pod. I am so, so excited for this week. Sam, I know you are equally as excited. Um, Mm -hmm. Being in the middle of the pandemic and we get two guests who are psychologists who are going to talk all about parenting right now. Um, So thank you guys. We're so excited to have you.
2: we are excited to be here
0: let's dive right in. We've been hanging out for a while. So I, I'm like, we could just keep like talking and laughing and having kind of like a mom's night in would be great. Um, but let's dive in. So the first thing that we're going to talk about, and we're going to cover a lot in this episode. So it is going to be a juicy one. Um, if you are with us on Instagram, you guys know that um, Chelsea and Caitlin talked about parenting in a pandemic a little bit on our takeaway or our takeover. Um, and we're going to kind of get more into those like nitty gritty details and those scenarios. Um, but the first thing that I think is really important that we talk about and that I know you guys are very, very educated, I guess, I for a lack of better term, is staying connected through a pandemic.
3: Mm-hmm. So what
0: does that look like? How can we achieve that? And especially for our kids, because I think that our kids are just so thrown for a loop right now. So how can we keep that connection?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that we really can do is focus on the next point of connection. And a psychologist, think a Canadian psychologist, Gordon Newfeld, he talked about togetherness as being a dual challenge right now. So how do we stay close when we're actually physically apart? But then also, how do we stay close when we're together, even when we're physically close and in the same household? How do we, Emotionally, stay close mm-hmm. with each other. So a big point of that is bridging. So focusing on the next point of connection. So we do this all the time, just organically. We don't even really realize that we're doing it. But if you think like when you say good night to your child, you say good night. See in the morning. When you say like goodbye to your parents on the phone, it's like okay, well. See you on Tuesday or we'll talk to you on Tuesday. I'll call you again on Wednesday. We always focus on that next point of connection. And that's really important for our kids to see that, oh, okay, even when everything is so like abnormal and up in the air, I know I'm going to talk to my grandparents like, in two sleeps. I know I'm going to like see my parents when I wake up in the morning and just really focusing on when are we going to connect with these people the next time
0: okay, I love that always kind of bringing them back to we will see these people again. And Mm -hmm. in terms of say something like the kids activities or daycares, I know for Tate, he is still talking about his friends all the time. And he's constantly asking, like, when do I go get to see this friend? And when do I get to go play hockey? And for me, I'm kind of at a loss because we don't know and explaining this to them is so hard like he's three and a half he doesn't really get it so is there a way or do you have advice of like the language that we can use with them to help them understand that we will see these people again we just don't we just don't know when at this Mm -hmm. point
2: yeah and I think for that the most important part is to share like age appropriate facts and correct information because who knows like what they've heard from tv from like other family members so even just saying like you know like remember when you had that cold or that flu like that's what's going around right now and focus on like what your family is doing to like keep each other and other people safe so people are like sick right now because this virus is going around and we need to stay home because we need to keep ourselves safe and other people safe. And you're really emphasizing what you guys are doing to keep yourself safe. And you can also say we will have hockey again, but we just don't know when. And right now we need to focus on what we can do to keep everybody safe. So that'll probably alleviate some of the anxiety about the unknown. But I mean, you can't lie to your kid and say, well, I know in November we're going to have hockey again. Because you you don't know, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: I like that. Sam, have you noticed? Well, and I kind of have it like the opposite because I have still been working. And so um, Lucas has been going to daycare two days a week. And I feel like I'm right back at the beginning of when drop-off was hard. And he's like clinging to me. Now, granted, he's the only kid. So I think he recognizes that like things are not normal because he's literally the only child at daycare but I don't know how to explain to him like I'm coming back and
2: and just explaining like what's going on and what you're doing to yeah keep yourself safe to keep everybody else safe and right now all the other kids have to stay home because their moms and dads are working from home and you have to like go to work and work wherever and that's what you need to do And things will look a little different for now, but things will look normal in the future. But we just don't know when that's going to be. Mm -hmm. But just always focus on that like positive language rather than, and what you're doing rather than, well, I don't know. And I don't know how long this thing's going to last. Yeah.
0: I was Mm -hmm. actually just going to like really highlight that, how you're really focusing on the positives in it. Because I think right now with so much uncertainty and I know that, it can be very easy for us as adults to be very negative about the situation, and they pick up on that. So I really like that focusing on, "Okay, we're staying safe." Not necessarily that everyone is sick, but we're yeah. staying safe, and we're keeping yeah. you safe. And yeah, yeah.
2: And it's bringing some control back that because everything feels so out of control. And when you're little, when you're three and four, your control over the world is pretty minimal at the best of times. Yeah. So focusing on, okay, this is what and this is our part and these are all the things that we are really trying hard to do so bringing that control back to it and it helps them feel like oh okay, this is what i'm doing i have a little bit of control in this situation mm, mm.
0: i like that maybe that'll make like <laughs> i can convince tate that he's saving the world by washing his hands and then it won't be a fight every time.
2: <laughs> Yeah, yeah this is what we're doing because we need to like keep these germs away, and we need to make sure that these germs go down the sink, and really focus on that. Like, yeah, this is what we're doing to like help yourself and help like mom and dad and your little sister. So really highlighting yeah. that, I think, we got help shift like that. that mindset.
1: This is kind of off topic, but does that go the same for uh, brushing their teeth? Because
2: boy, <laughs> is that a struggle. Oh my gosh! I have that struggle with my toddler. He he hates it. He totally hates it. And, and why? Like, oh, yeah. But he just like he does it, and it's like, oh my gosh, like, you're really not at it all. So then I have to do it, and then it's just like, no, no, no. That one is is such a struggle. But even yeah, highlighting like you're really getting those germs out of there. You're getting all that yucky. Jackie mouse stuff out of there and he, then he like thinks it's funny right yeah, and then he yeah, gets, yeah. You Get silly right <laughs> Because being silly is contagious if you can get a little silly with their kids they can't resist even if they're melting down and like throwing a tantrum as soon as you bring in some silliness it's really really hard for them to resist being silly back with you
0: I like that. And that actually really kind of segues into a question that I've had. I know this is a little bit off of what we had planned to talk about, but talking about those tantrums and those meltdowns, because I feel like right now, it's so interesting to me. And I really wish I was a psychologist so that I could be in my child's brain a little bit because really for Tate, like his life hasn't changed a ton, I stay at home with him. We do a lot of the same things minus going out in public, right? We still go outside. We still go for walks. We still do crafts at this time and puzzles and whatever. But I just feel like Mm -hmm. he's so, it's like he has these really big emotions. And so he is having more tantrums, not even tantrums, just meltdowns where he's just, all of a sudden he's just sad and he's just going to be Mm -hmm. sad or he's, you know, we'll be doing a puzzle and he's usually so calm and you can work him through it. But it's like, oh my God, this one damn puzzle piece won't go in and he just explodes. Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like he has these like pent up emotions, but I don't necessarily know my old strategies of walking him through it just don't seem to be working. So I don't know if you or Chelsea can offer anything into that. Like, how do we help our kids right now? work through those really big emotions
3: yeah absolutely well i think i'm i know caitlin uses him too but dan siegel is a really great resource for um parenting the whole brain child i believe his book is called and yeah. so it's basically it gives you a way to kind of understand that your child's going to be really reactive like their brain just isn't developed enough that they can understand their emotions let alone control them so um I know Caitlin, uh, you can kind of explain maybe how you talk about it after, but I usually use, um, this is our, um, I usually with kids, I'll use it with like their superheroes. So I use like Batman and Joker a lot, like with boys, for example. So they'll say, you know, this is kind of your Joker part of your brain. And sometimes he makes bad decisions and he doesn't do really good things all the time. And he can kind of be reactive and kind of like engage them with that. And that's kind of their kind of emotional part of their brain, their amygdala, their limbic system, and that's where they're kind of going to be reacting from. And then we talk about the Batman part of the brain, and that's the prefrontal cortex, which is um, the front of the brain. And so that area of the brain is where our rational thinking, our decision-making, our ability to control ourselves, and follow social norms, and all that kind of is in there. Um, but if I no, remember correctly, it's not till your mid twenties, that that is actually fully developed. So <laughs> if you
2: think Which of how long. Which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Why I did so many dumb things as a teenager? Yeah.
3: <laughs> we have a reason. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you can kind of talk about it with your kids if you want to. I say sometimes it's that like your mad part of your brain or your angry mm. part or there's lots of different language you can use, and Caitlin, you can add in some more to that if you'd like. For sure. Um,
2: yeah. yeah. And I think one big part to remember is that like we can't control our child's big feelings. Like, I'm sure everybody can relate to a moment where they've had somebody say to them when you're feeling upset or angry, like, well, just calm down, like calm down. How does that make you feel? Even more frustrated yeah. because you're not being hurt. Like, mm-hmm. no, you're not going to calm down because you're not hearing me. You're not listening to me. So one thing that I do, and I actually did this today with Jason. He was melting down. I can't even remember what the hell he was melting down. About, <laughs> but he was, I think his shoes. I think it was his shoes. Yeah. There's so many you just lose track. Yeah, I know, like I have no idea. (laughs) So what I sat, I'm like, Oh, you're having some like big feelings here, like your feelings are really big. And then he's like on the floor, kissing his feet. So I just took like a big breath. And then I always use my mantra, like every time. I always have to remind myself, okay, he's not trying to give me a hard time, he's having a hard time. And remembering, like, he's only three, like, he has an immature brain, he's having, like, a really tough time right now, or, like, whatever mantra pops into my head, that's what I repeat to myself a couple times. And then I say, like, oh, you you didn't want this, like, you did not want this, this isn't what you wanted, like, you were really, really upset, you are so upset, and you have to repeat it, like, I don't know, three, four, five, like, 60 times. But really, like repeating, like, oh, you're feeling like mad right now because number one, you're reflecting to them that, oh, okay, mom is hearing me. Mom is hearing how upset I am, mm. and you're really just like connecting to the distress, and and you're not going in. You're not like saving the day. You're not like giving in and giving him what what he wants, but you're just really connecting to the emotion and validating that. And it will come down as soon as you can connect, you validate, you will see the emotion come down. And sometimes it works really quickly. Sometimes it takes a long time. But by validating and connecting and getting down on their like eye level, the worst is when you like stand over them and you're like, "You need to calm down." Like get down. If they're on the floor, get down on the floor with them. And just say, you are really mad right now. Mom sees that you are really, really mad. And it'll bring that distress and like that anger and that really big emotion down to a level that's more manageable. And if it's something where it's a safety concern, you always have to set that boundary. Like, okay, bodies are not for hitting. And if they go to like, hit you, because this happens occasionally too, He'll like go to like whack me and say, I'll grab his hand. Just say, you know what? Bodies aren't for hitting. And we just need to take some big, deep breaths and just calm down. And it takes, it'll take three minutes, five minutes, but those big emotions will calm down.
1: The mantra is like such a good reminder mm-hmm. that, like, it's not about mm-hmm. us, it's about them and how they're yeah. feeling. That's so good
2: yeah absolutely and if you notice I, I love that yeah yeah I used to tell myself like okay just like breathe like what are you telling yourself and once I started noticing like of my automatic thoughts were it was usually stuff that was like ramping me up like oh I have this to do mm-hmm. and now like this is getting in the way now I need to spend like 15 minutes dealing with this and then I just like Got even like more frustrated and and dysregulated so I really had to like stop those thoughts and like remind myself like okay he's not trying to give me a hard time he's having a hard time because when I'm able and fully regulated and I can like go in and be present with him the tantrums come down that much sooner and I'm sure everybody's had the experience of you go in and you're like scary mommy like you yell back and then they cry more and it's just like (laughs) A complete disaster. So then, that yeah. always takes way longer. Everybody feels way worse after that. If you can go in regulated and do what you need to do to be present with them, that emotion will come down a lot faster than if you go in dysregulated and everybody is like upset afterwards. And I feel like that scary mommy does come out, then I mean you can repair. You can always repair. Nobody is perfection but yeah scary mommy comes out then it's just it's apologizing right it's just saying making like, no what i'm sorry yelling is like no way to talk to somebody that you love and mommy will try not to yell in the future mm-hmm.
0: yeah. i love that and that was something that you talked about in the takeover that you guys did on our instagram page which is saved to the highlights so if you um are listening to this and you haven't seen that for sure go and look at it because they were amazing on there too but something that you really kind of brought forward for me was I need to be regulated before I can help regulate my kids and so mm-hmm. those mantras and then also just taking that second to breathe um yeah absolutely. I can think of <laughs> the biggest fit we've had in a long time again is over a shoe I don't know what it is with toddlers and shoes but the strap was broken he thought because the velcro was like slightly peeled up Um, and I was just getting so mad and I realized that I was making the situation so much worse and that it was like me mm-hmm. like needing to get out the door and then I just kind of realized like okay we're in the middle of a pandemic I'm getting out of the door to literally go to the backyard <laughs> relax like it is not that big of a deal so those mm-hmm. mantras I want to re-highlight are so huge and reminding ourselves that I really think that like as the parent it's our job to help our kids through those situations we need to teach them how to kind of guide through that so those mantras have
2: been so huge yeah absolutely a common quote is a dysregulated adult cannot regulate a dysregulated child and there's so much truth to that Mm. because if we can approach it in a place where we are calm then we're able to help them achieve that calm so much faster and I mean everybody has times where they've lost it and Mm -hmm. it's okay Everybody does it, and it's really important not to go to a place of like guilt and shame around that, but just focus on the repair afterwards. Like if you're like, oh shit, I really shouldn't have been, like yelled like that, then the most important thing is to apologize to your child. And lots of people actually don't do that; they think they like lose face or something when you apologize to your child. But really, it's just modeling that like, okay, mm-hmm. mom makes mistakes and mom apologizes and it's really, really healthy modeling to apologize to your child and then of course follow follow through with the apology as well
0: yeah and not have that but in your apology that's something I can't remember mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. I just read that but how important it is that when you apologize you apologize and you're sincere and you're not putting it back on them like you're not saying I'm sorry for yelling but you just were being so slow at putting your shoe on it's like Mm -hmm. I'm sorry for yelling that was not
2: kind of mum yeah yeah that's it just what you're sorry for (laughs) yeah and like you said no but if you wouldn't have done this then I wouldn't have had to Yell. Well, then that's a very insincere apology. And it just takes away from like everything that you said prior to that. So just say, I'm sorry for yelling. That was not kind of me. I won't do it again. Or I'll work on using kind words or something to that effect too.
1: Yeah. I love that. So one of the things that you had were talking about was hitting um you briefly touched on (laughs) and I'd love to get into that because this has been an ongoing struggle in my house for forever Mm -hmm. and this is outside of pandemic like my child just loves he's very abusive how how do I manage this because I've I've tried many different ways I've tried saying gentle hands repeatedly I've Mm
0: -hmm. sadly
1: I've tried smacking his hand to show him that it hurts and it He's not even phased, and Mm -hmm. I've tried timeouts. Like I don't even know where else to go. So can you guide a little bit on for that
2: one? I mean, number one, always make sure that you're regulated, right? And then number two, validate those emotions, and then redirect. So Mm. when my toddler, because my toddler doesn't too, I think it's (laughs) it's a toddler thing. Could be a boy thing. I don't know. But I always like say like bodies are not for hitting. I don't like allow it to happen more than once I will like stop his hand and kind of like guide it away bodies are not for hitting you're feeling like really angry what can we go do to get some of those like big feelings out because usually when he's at a place where he's hitting it's because yeah there's some like pent-up frustration He's not like getting what he wants. I said no. Yeah, various triggers. But it's usually some pent up like anger or frustration, or he's not getting his way. So let's go and let's. uh, One thing we do is we kind of like squeeze pillows. He likes like sensory things. Mm, okay. Okay, so let's go squeeze some pillows. Let's go kind of like bounce on the bed a little bit he likes like running around just get that body moving like move some of that energy elsewhere uh if they're a little bit older some kids like to like pound play-doh things like that so every kid is different and it'll be trial and error in terms of like what really works for your kid and what doesn't some kids it's just like okay i need to like get outside for my son getting outdoors is like the best thing if he's like mid meltdown and it's just he's tired he's irrational and be like okay we need to like go outside, let's get your coat on, let's go play with the chalk. let's go like run around. So really, getting outside is huge for some of these meltdowns, but basically, and sorry.
1: Some of ours aren't even meltdowns. Like my child, mm-hmm. I think just has so much, I, I don't, I don't know if it's energy is the right word. Cause even when he's excited, it's like excited. Oh, I need to hit it. mommy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So he has like, yeah. Replacing that with, okay. Is there something else that he can make? hit or pound if he really, if he has that much energy i would be mm-hmm. curious like yeah he needs to release it somehow so is there like some play-doh that he can hit or pound or is there something that he can squeeze or does he like deep pressure it could be kind of a, a sensory thing does he need to be like held or squeezed i'd be curious in terms of that but try like a few different things that are sensory okay. related okay yeah
1: oh, give that a try thank you yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> just pin him down and bear hug them yeah like I love you <laughs> <laughs> don't try this at home just <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh and another thing I actually saw this um she's a clinical psychologist out of the state I mean Dr. Becky at home she does some really good stuff but she does what's called the Philip game so, if her child is, like, doing whatever angry hitting, she'll go to him and be, like, oh, you're trying to tell me that, like, you're really angry and you're not filled up with, like, enough attention or enough, like, love. So, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you some, like, big squeezes. Are you filled up now? And then the child will be, like, no, I'm, like, halfway filled up. And then she'll, like, squeeze him some more. that like, oh, I'm, like, 75% filled up. So, it really is, like goes back to some of the sensory stuff and then the silliness i really like how i incorporate mm. some of that silliness like oh you're like almost there or what about now like a little more squeezing oh 80 oh 85 so it gets them laughing it gets them moving it targets some of that sensory stimulation and it lets them know that okay you are here i'm gonna stop what i'm doing and i'm gonna like focus on like filling you up with mommy and filling you up with some of that attention and love. So that's mm-hmm. something my toddler's a little bit young for like, okay, is it like 50%? Is it like 75%? But you yeah. can just use like, Oh, is it like halfway? Are you almost filled up? Do you need a little bit more? So I'm going to try that with my toddler too. I read about it. And I'm like, Oh, I really, really like that. And yeah. I think she's had a lot of like, success with it. So it's
0: that's really cool. And I think that goes back, I know one thing we've talked with like lots of moms during this pandemic, just about, you know, how they're doing and how their kids are doing. Um, And one of the overwhelming, I think, things that moms are really feeling right now is, especially if their days are kind of looking very different. So say they are a working mom, and now they're forced to work from home, or they're now staying at home with their kids is that unproductive feeling during this pandemic and I think that a lot of it is that comparison and everyone knows that comparison is the thief of joy but we still do it and Mm -hmm. we're on Instagram and we see moms that are doing like the whole homeschooling thing right now we see how some moms are doing it and we see them doing crafts and we see people doing home renovations and paintings and new hobbies and there's so much that we can do um and I would just love for you guys to kind of touch on that. Like, what would you – what is your view from the psychologist standpoint on productivity during a freaking pandemic? <laughs>
3: um, I would say it's dependent on the person. Some people need structure, and that's totally fine. If they need that routine and they need that to get them through their day, that's totally great. If you are changing from your night time pajamas to your daytime pajamas right now, that is okay. <laughs> like – I think everybody has days like that. It's really hard to measure your productivity right now because there's nothing necessarily to measure, right? If you're sitting at home and it's like, yeah, I kept my kid alive. It's like, that is actually a success. But, you know, I'm used to doing 500 other things throughout my day that I can't do anymore. Um, so some people need to set new goals. Um, however, part of it is too, is going be giving yourself that grace that it's okay that I'm not as productive right now. I don't have to mm-hmm. set a new goal. I don't have to be motivated have to do use this time to do soul searching things if what i'm doing is surviving
0: Mm -hmm. i love that and And i I think that like i'm just thinking for myself even and sam this is something that we've talked about one day derek and i are like ripping stuff out of our kitchen and hanging new shelves and the next day we literally were like I don't even know if we changed into daytime pajamas it is just like nighttime pajamas through the day so some days it feels better to be productive and other days it feels worse to try to be productive so I found that like giving yourself that grace through that and Not feeling like there's one size fits all, even for yourself, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think
1: for me, I've seen a thing going around and it was like, when I get out of this quarantine, I'm going to have learned this, this, and this. And I'm going to have all these new hobbies and whatever. And and I'm sitting on the other side of the computer being like, I'm not going to come out of this with any new hobbies. (laughs) I think it's totally... (laughs) like okay to just not have that expectation I guess and be okay with that
2: absolutely and for me it's just like going back to basics and really it's not a time to push ahead and be really achieving like all these great goals it's just like okay we're just like surviving and we're doing what we need to do and everybody is healthy and what we really like focus on is just like playing how do we like engage with our kids and make sure that like they're happy and healthy and it's just yeah going back to basics for me and I mean ritual and structural structure can be an anchor for some people and that's totally fine but each day is gonna look different and and that's so funny that you're one day you're like doing home rentals (laughs) and the next is just like a total I'm like I can relate to that because today like clean the entire house And the day before that was just, I'm like, what the hell did we even do Saturday? I don't think we did like anything, but that's totally fine. Yeah. And that's totally
0: okay. It's funny how Derek now is at home. He teaches from home and he's always like, how do you do this all day? Like from six o'clock when our kids wake up to five o'clock seems like 49 hours. And then once you get into like supper and bedtime routine, all of a sudden it's like midnight and it's like. Where the hell is the day gone? But the first like half of it feels like it was nine months in one day. Ugh. Some days oh, are harder absolutely. than others, I
2: guess. Yeah. And school is never meant to be like from home. It's like the strangest concept. None of us are homeschooling any kids, but I can just imagine like how odd it feels to have like home, like your place of rest. Your place of like safety, place that you like unwind being school, and it can mm-hmm. feel like very, very backwards like it's almost taking away like your place of sanctuary and solitude. Like, yeah, totally. I really feel for teachers and students alike, it's, it's a tough time.
0: It was so funny the other day. We're really trying t- to teach Tate that, like, okay, daddy is working, like, it's actually been. I didn't think it would be hard on Tate to have Derek home, but it's really hard on him trying to adjust to, okay, dad is working. Like you can't be going, you know, he's in meetings and he's on calls with his students. So you can't be running buck naked into that room where he is on a (laughs) video call. Like you can't do that. And he looks at me the other day and he's like, I was literally saying that to him. I'm like, no, Tate, like, you need to get pants on and you can't just go into daddy's office. Like, that's where dad works. And he's like, no, no, mommy, my daddy doesn't work. No, no. I'm just like, well, he does. This just is a little bit weird for you right now. like." So that's been fun.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we depend on that, like, predictability. At least I do. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and I think we really depend on that predictability. I know at least I do for like the day-to-day and the routine and the ritual of, okay, like I get up and I get ready and then I leave to work and then I come back at the end of the day and then we have our routine. But when that's thrown off and our routine is totally thrown off, it can be super disorientating for for everybody. And I think that's what really leads to that. Like I don't even know like, what day it is is it monday is it saturday like it all blends in and all seems the same so yeah it can be really really disorientating just to have all of that predictability thrown out the window essentially and especially for our kids mm-hmm. if it throws us for a loop with like, just imagine like, what it does for our kids
0: yeah it was funny i read a meme the other day and it was something about like you know how people take screenshots of like their tweets on Twitter and it was like me, um, Hey honey, like have a great day today. The next day, Hey honey, have a great day today. And then at the end, it's like, what day is it? And they're like, it's day. Like they all just are the same. Like everything is literally the same. It's just day. (laughs) So the last thing that we want to pick your brain on, um, is kind of that, feeling of grief going through this. And I know Sam and I have talked about this, and I talk about this with my parents and my friends because you make all of these say plans. We'll use this as one example of grief, but you have all of these plans and these things that you're looking forward to and especially now with it coming into summertime. Um and there's so much uncertainty and there's cancellations. I mean, I can't even imagine the brides and grooms who are canceling weddings and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and that's really hard for some people. I mean, some people might not really be phased by it, but I know for a lot they are. So can you talk about what that looks like and how to navigate that?
3: Well, grief is going to be really individualized. Like you kind of have to know what you, how you experience it and what emotions come up for you. Um, but it's the couple of things that are really common with grief is this feeling of shame and guilt because somebody else has it worse off or I shouldn't be worried mm-hmm. about this because or sad about this because is it really a big deal? Like, should I care about my baby shower or should I care about uh, my barbecue that I was going to throw in the summer or, you know, those kind of things. But just because somebody else has it hard or has it worse doesn't have to negate that you feel sad or you feel lost about what you're experiencing. Mm
1: -hmm. i love that and i think that's know for me like for me it's been (laughs) it seems like a small thing because for me i'm like disappointed like the pools probably won't be open and there's like a water park nearby that we usually take lucas and he's actually at a fun age now where he'll enjoy the water park and i'm like disappointed that like i'm not going to be able to enjoy that this summer that's hard
2: It definitely is. And I think we can grieve and feel that our grief is valid because it is. It doesn't matter if you're grieving a wedding or you're grieving just not going to the water park. All grief is valid and people experience grief differently. And we can grieve, but then also acknowledge that, hey, like I'm grateful that my family is still healthy and that... Mm. None of my loved ones are sick, or that I still have a job to provide for my family. But it shouldn't take away from the fact that, yeah, this is still like crappy that I don't get to experience my son at this age enjoying the water park because that's so valid. That is sad. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that, and I love that reminder that like just because other people are going through things that might seem bigger, it doesn't mean that what you're going through isn't still happening like hard is hard
2: absolutely no
0: matter what it is Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: i really really like that is there anything else to add in that kind of area
3: um well there's a couple things that you can do like for grief like managing the feelings itself of grief right Mm -hmm. like engaging in self-care if you can is going to be important Um, if you like to like envision the future, sometimes like focusing on what you can do once this is over can be helpful. For some people it's, it it isn't helpful. So don't do it if it's not helpful for you, but that would be a personal (laughs) choice. Um, But also like, as Caitlin said, consciously focusing on gratitude or hope or celebrating even small successes. Like, no, we don't get to go to the water park, but we got to go walk around our block and my son had such a great time. And that was just a really great success for me today. And just leaving it at that. You don't have to go too far down the road if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, I really like that. I think this is going to be really helpful for a lot of mamas out there who are feeling stuck in this Mm -hmm. time right now when, Mm -hmm. you know, nothing Mm -hmm. is normal. So I'm so grateful that you guys came on and shared. Is there anything else that you guys want to add?
2: One quick thing that came up during our takeover uh, was independent play and okay, oh, how yes. do I get my child to independently play? play? Because, Please, yes. And I know <laughs> even for myself, it's like, Mom, come do this, Mom, come do that. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, can I like sit and drink my coffee for like three minutes? <laughs> Please.
0: I am so <laughs> glad you remembered this. Yes, yeah, enlighten us. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, one thing is having a defined space that, okay, this is kind of our play space because we have uh, two floors in our house and we have a space in the basement and then space in the upstairs that are like okay this is the yes space this is where like where the playing happens because often we would find my son would start to like like play in the kitchen when the stove was going on and then all of a sudden Mm. it's like no you can't be here and then that would be another tantrum. so always finding that okay yes space and rotating toys is really huge That's something that I've been doing recently and I'm like, oh my gosh, the power of rotating toys and not having like a crap load of toys out at the same time is is huge. And even having three to four toys out that you've changed weekly will really help engage your child in like, oh yeah, I remember this. And then all of a sudden they're off like engaging with this toy and -hmm. not really needing your attention. And also, simple toys are way more effective at engaging that imagination than some of the more active toys. So, like, electronics, any of those, like, V-Tech toys that light Mm -hmm. up and are just, like, singing and lights and everything, they don't really activate the imagination because they do everything for the child, right? You press a button and all of a sudden, like, the lights are flashing, it's singing, and it doesn't really require like that much from the child. So, really, Interesting. the simpler the toy, the better it is for engaging them and for having them to kind of like, create scenarios and activate their imagination. And, okay, how do I want to play with this? So, those are some tips just to help encourage that independent play. And then, I really also, like, like that. Yeah, yeah. And then, standing back. and just letting them do their thing I know some parents have like a more difficult time with this than others but really resist the urge to like go in and like if they're building this tower and like you see it's gonna fall really resist the urge to like go in and do like anything for them Mm. just really encourage that like oh where do you think that block should go I'm really curious like where do you think that block should go and if they're like, no, mom, I want you to do it. Oh, you really want my help. Well, I'm curious. I want to know, like, where you think it should go. So rather than doing it for them and jumping in, because sometimes it's just easier just to, like, go do it for them. Yeah. Reflecting back, like, where do you think that vlog should go? Oh, you think it should go there. So lots of reflecting back. And if you can think of um, – one thing that has come up with my child is I can't do it. I can't do it. You do it. And I'm just like, where the heck did this mm-hmm. like I can't do it come from? Mm-hmm. So one thing, and it's a funny story about my husband. He probably won't be thrilled I shared this, but it's <laughs> kind of, so whatever. So my son was, on. Yeah. His <laughs> son was outside with the sidewalk chalk and he was like dry, uh, I think it was Sophie the Drop and he drew that and then he's like, Daddy Draw Marshall. And then Trevor's like, I can't. That's too hard. And I'm like, don't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, everything we God. don't want him to say. I'm like, no. I'm like, just draw it. And then Jason's like, why do you draw Marshall? And then I'm like, okay. And then I drew it, and he's like, that's your Marshall. <laughs> like oh mommy tried really hard to draw yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden he was like doing it by himself so that's if, so funny if they have that whole like I can't do it you can like do it with them and then like model that like oh this is hard for you it's kind of hard for mommy too let's try it together mm. so I guess the <laughs> lesson in that is to not be like I can't do that, that's too hard. But just do it with them, right?
0: Yeah, and really teaching too that like, it doesn't have to be perfect, but if you work hard at it, they'll
2: get it. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) The one thing too that um, when you were saying that some parents have a hard time like not going in and almost like saving the day or like doing it for them. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've really noticed that it actually, Derek pointed it out to me is that Say, for example, we have these blocks and, you know, there's specific things to do with the blocks, but Tate would be doing something totally different with them. And I would be like, well, mm-hmm. nobody, like, you're supposed to build a tower and he's like, you know, having a sword fight with them. I was trying to tell him how to imaginatively play. And Derek was just like, who cares? Like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: if he's Absolutely. having a sword fight with yeah. the- dog and the block like he's playing right so on one hand I was kind of not complaining but being like how do I get him to be more independent and then I was trying to tell him what his imagination should and shouldn't do so that was like a really big realization and now about three quarters of the time I don't actually know what he's playing and he'll be like mommy (laughs) come play space dog with me and then he just bosses (laughs) me around and tells me what to do because I'm like this isn't an actual game but he's doing it and he's loving it so I should
3: not
2: complain. Absolutely yeah.
3: You highlighted that it's also important for parents even if they don't have maybe a lot of time to always be fully engaged just in some moments throughout the day practice quality over quantity rep mm. so you can play with them all day but like be on your phone or be doing 50 other tasks where yeah. if you're like quality t- spending quality time with them and fully engaged with them it can help foster them to be independent when they play too
0: okay so with that is like is it totally individualized where you know some kids need more of that quality time or is there a guideline for okay how long should I go and not that I don't want to play with them but I think a lot of parents feel like this where it's like okay we need to be making lunch and doing this and they're wanting us to play so is it like okay if I I should go and spend like 10 minutes of undivided attention then they should be good for two hours
3: or like is Mm -hmm. that a thing I've not that I'm aware of I would say the important thing is that you set boundaries and guidelines for what are going to work for you or what you're needing to do Um, But Caitlin, you might have something additional to add to that.
2: No, I would. Yeah, I agree with that. And from like what I've read, 10 to 15 minutes of uninterrupted, like fully engaged time playing with your child is like sufficient. Like that's good. That's all you need. Right? If you want to use that some people are just numbers people and they're like tell me how many minutes yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> and it's like 10 to 15 minutes of that uninterrupted you're engaged time is like you're filling their bucket with that okay because we do play therapy with kids and it's like 45 minutes and like it's so reparative and wonderful right kids yeah. love coming to play therapy and really what we're doing is we're playing with kids and throwing in like other interventions and methods but just having that uninterrupted block of time of play is just so like incredibly reparative and it absolutely does not need to be 45 minutes 15 minutes 10 to 15 minutes yeah playing with your kid like that's huge that's awesome because that's Mm -hmm. one thing
0: that I've been having a hard time with um really I can't remember it was like a I think it was out of a book um, and I had read it and it was just saying how important it is for kids to also be bored and that that's when their like imagination mm-hmm. needs to really take over. So I've been having this like, Battle with myself of like, okay, I know that I need to give him my undivided attention. You also talked about like narrating, so I've been doing that, and maybe you can touch Mm -hmm. on that afterwards. Um, but it's like, how long do I have to do that? And then when is it okay for me to say, okay, nobody, it's time that you go and play? And then he just, you know, he's mommy, will you come play? Dad, will you come play? So it's trying to find that balance is really hard because I want him to know that we're there and we care and we want to play with him, but okay, you also need to go Mm -hmm. and let mom cook supper.
2: Yeah. Being consistent with those boundaries, like, okay, yeah, we played buddy and now I have to go cook supper. And it's a lot of redirecting Mm -hmm. and just consistently enforcing that boundary too. And it's hard because it tugs at your heartstrings when they're like, mommy, please play with me. Yes. It's like, oh, my goodness. <gasps> he goes like this. Really with hard. He pats his oh. hand and
0: goes, pretty, please, pretty, please. Oh. I'm like, okay, I'm going to close my eyes and just keep saying <laughs> no to you.
2: Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Can because you talk about the narrative play?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So narrating play is just when you're down on the floor with your kid, it's just simple as that narrating like what they're doing oh you're putting like the blue block on top of the purple block oh you have Chase. he is like really like getting frustrated with marshall everything's paw patrol and that's like what i go to all the time oh rocky is driving like so so fast you're going really really fast so it's just helping the child like feeling heard and it's like oh mommy's noticing what i'm doing like i feel special Mm -hmm. And it really actually increases their attention and concentration for the task that they're doing. And sometimes like if you have a kid that's just all over the place it's wild, it can actually slow them down and tune in to like what you're saying. So it really can promote that whole like mind body connection. Like, Oh, I am going really fast. Mommy says I'm going really fast. Oh, I am going fast. Oh, mommy says, slow down no I'm yeah I'm gonna slow down now so by narrating all that play it really helps that feedback loop with the kiddos oh that's
0: super interesting I like that Mm -hmm. Sam I can see the wheels in your head spinning (laughs) right now
1: (laughs) I'm just sitting here silently nodding my head like yes good like I should try that maybe that'll help with listening like not just during playtime but like when I actually need him to listen to me
2: mm-hmm. yeah. I love that and it's a foreign way of talking we do that in play therapy and often the kids will be like why are you talking so weird <laughs> and then it's just and it's just reflecting back like you think it's weird the way I talk And then they'll be like, yeah. And then just like go on with whatever they're doing. But it really, it's so great for so many things.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. Well, you guys, this has been amazing. I know that from literally the minute you guys started your Instagram, Sam and I have loved it. Um, We're going to put all of their information right in our um, podcast. um, What's that called? Information section. So for you listeners, what is that called, Sam? I am blanking show notes. the show notes. So go check out the show notes. Um, you can follow them on my psychologists on Instagram and they put a ton of really incredible content out. Um, and they did do a takeover on our page a couple weeks ago that we have in a highlight bubble. So you guys can go check that out. But thank you Chelsea and Caitlin so much for being here. This has been so fun and so informative. And I just feel like tomorrow's going to be a good day. <laughs> I'm going to be a good yeah. parent tomorrow. <laughs>
2: and you know what if it doesn't happen then that's okay you can always restart exactly just
1: repair and restart
2: every day is a new day yeah yeah
1: <laughs> every hour yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah <true>. absolutely
2: after <laughs> this after- 10 minutes are going to be better than the last 10 minutes <laughs>
3: oh,
2: that's
0: so true okay well come hang out with us on our instagram page at the messy mama pod and we will see you back here next wednesday